Welcome back to Sanity. I'm Shane Gordon. I was browsing the popular posts on Reddit a couple days ago and ran across an interesting tweet and reply in the Self-Aware Wolves subreddit. So I thought we'd discuss it today. First, I had to do some digging to find the actual tweet to make sure it was real, and it is. Dr. Anastasia Maria Lupus, I hope I said that name correctly, is a medical doctor from Denmark. She tweeted, Transgender people are 19 times more likely to commit suicide. What does that tell you? Before we begin, I realize this is a sensitive subject. Many of us have lost a close friend or loved one to suicide, and some of you may currently be thinking about suicide. I want you to know that you're not alone, and getting help with whatever you're facing is as simple as dialing 988 from any phone here in the U.S. That will get you to the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline to start a conversation with someone. In no way is the content of this episode meant to belittle or downplay what anyone has or is going through. If anything is perceived that way, it's only because I can be dense and don't always understand how my comments may come across to others. But please know my heart is with everyone affected by suicide. I want to sit on the tweet by Dr. Lupus for a moment. This is obviously a loaded statement. It's not really meant to engender conversation. Instead, it's meant to be controversial. If her goal is to convince people her viewpoint is correct, she's going about it in the wrong way. The natural reaction to reading or hearing a loaded statement that doesn't align with your beliefs is to dig in and defend your viewpoint. Tweets like this one from Dr. Lupus only serve to further the partisan divide. So that's the first problem. The second problem is a lack of supporting evidence for her claim. So I did some digging. It turns out there's literally no consensus on the suicidal ideation or attempts of transgender people. But there are some studies that we can look at to get an idea. One study was done by the University of Ottawa, and they found that transgender people between the ages of 15 and 17 are five times more likely to think about and 7.6 times more likely to attempt suicide than their non-transgender peers. A study of transgender individuals in the U.S. found that 82% had contemplated suicide and 40% had attempted suicide, with those numbers being highest among youth. That can be compared to the 8.9% of all high school age youth who attempt suicide according to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. The problem here is that the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention data includes all youth, so transgender youth is part of that 8.9%, and the U.S. study numbers include transgender people of all ages. So, doing our best to account for the discrepancies, it would seem the U.S. numbers are very similar to the Canadian numbers, meaning that transgender youth are about seven to eight times more likely to attempt suicide. I was unable to find data that supported Dr. Lupus's claims that transgender people are 19 times more likely to commit suicide. However, even eight times more likely is very significant and shouldn't be ignored. None of the studies I found attempted to explain why the suicidal ideation is so much higher in transgender individuals. They simply sought to discover if transgender individuals are more likely to think about and attempt suicide. So this brings us to the obvious question, why is this the case? Or as Dr. Lupus tweeted, what does this tell you? 
Well, let's look at the reply that made it onto Reddit. At just Kelly okay tweeted or replied, it tells me that the transphobia spread by you and others is brutally harmful. This is a typical retort by the progressive left. Transgender people want to kill themselves because you right-wing bigots can't accept them for who they are. So is that true? Let's take a look. The Trevor Project, a self-proclaimed LGBTQIA activist group, completed a survey of LGBTQIA individuals. They found that 44% of the individuals from southern states had contemplated suicide compared to 41% in all other states. Similarly, 16% of individuals in southern states had attempted suicide compared to 14% in other states. The assumption made by the Trevor Project, and in fact the point they attempt to make, is that southern states are more bigoted and, therefore, are more likely to spread anti-LGBTQIA ideology leading to higher suicide rates. Let me reiterate something. The Trevor Project is an activist group. That means it is in their best interest to show that lower acceptance leads to more suicides because that finding would support their cause. Let's look at those numbers again, though. 44% versus 41% contemplated suicide and 16 versus 14% attempted suicide. So yes, the suicide rate is indeed higher in areas which hold traditional views on sexuality, gender, and relationships, but not by much. In fact, it's nearly statistically insignificant, but that hasn't stopped the Trevor Project and others from claiming bigotry is the reason these people are suicidal. But just for a moment, let's actually assume that 3% higher rate in suicidal thought and 2% higher rate in suicide attempts really are due to bigotry. Those numbers pale in comparison to whatever else is causing 41% of LGBTQIA individuals to consider suicide and 14% to attempt it. Obviously, something else is going on. Something irrespective of the political and social climate these individuals are raised in and live in that is leading to suicidal ideation. I think the only sane conclusion we can reach is that these individuals are experiencing something else in their life that creates discontent, unease, unhappiness, and other difficult feelings. The only thing all these people obviously have in common is that they are part of the LGBTQIA community. So something about being part of that community is causing the problem, and I have two thoughts on this. The first is that LGBTQIA has become a social contagion, and our youth are attempting to force themselves into an identity that isn't who they truly are. Yes, I went there, and the data prove it. UCLA estimates that 1.6 million Americans identify as transgender. That accounts for just under... 0.5% of the country. However, they also estimate that nearly 20% of all transgender people are between the ages of 13 and 17. One in five transgender people are either still in puberty or just finished puberty. One in five transgender people fall into a four-year age range. And a recent Gallup poll shows that 7.2% of people in the U.S. identify as LGBTQIA+, but 20% of adult Gen Z identify as LGBTQIA+. That's one in five people 
in an entire generation that claim they are something other than heterosexual. A reasonable person who truly wants to get to the bottom of an issue and help our society can't argue the only reason for this is that youth feel empowered to express themselves now more than they used to. This logic goes completely counter to the argument that transgender youth want to commit suicide because people are bigoted toward them. You can't have a society that is so open all these kids are comfortable saying they're transgender or non-heterosexual while also being so bigoted that those same kids want to kill themselves after coming out. It makes no sense. Also, is it really rational to think that this many people are born into the wrong body or born with non-traditional sexuality? How do you scientifically or rationally explain that? You simply can't. It makes no sense. The only conclusion that makes any sense is that our youth are so desperate for validation and attention that they mimic what they see getting attention in the media. We praise people who come out as members of the LGBTQIA community. We shower them with admiration. And at the same time, the media attacks anyone who stands up for traditional views on gender, sex, and relationships. If I was a troubled youth, of course I would gravitate toward the LGBTQIA community. It seems like the safe place. The second reason I think the suicide rate is higher in the LGBTQIA community is because of the mixed messaging from media. On one hand, the message being put out to our young people is that they are so brave and everyone will love them if they come out. But then we turn around and tell them that they are actually hated and people want them dead. We tell them that they don't really belong and that they need to fight for their freedom. And the crazy thing is, the same group of people deliver both of these messages. Progressives spend a lot of time telling the LGBTQIA community that other people think these things about them. They give more airtime to the negative messages than the supposed haters do. We've all seen this play out. Here's just one example. A mother might go to a school board meeting to challenge a pornographic book that's in the school library. What does she do afterwards? Well, most of the time she goes home. What does the progressive media do? They report about how bigoted and evil this mom is. They accuse her of silencing the LGBTQIA community and denying children the ability to express their identity. The story, which could have stayed local, explodes to a national level, and the message goes from one of concern over inappropriate content to one of oppression and hate. Most of the people that we're told hate trans and gay people actually don't. What they really want is to protect their children and not to be shamed for refusing to celebrate every time someone announces their sexuality to the world. Most people just want to live their lives and raise their kids without being forced to participate in an agenda they don't agree with. Now, of course, there are truly hateful people out there, but they are a minority and pose little real threat to the day-to-day lives of the LGBTQIA community. Just as there are left-wing activists that burn up cars and loot stores that pose little real threat to the day-to-day lives of conservatives. But constantly being told that people out there hate you will obviously have a negative mental and emotional impact on anyone. And someone already questioning their sexual identity will be affected even more. So just to reiterate, our society is clearly being told that an LGBTQIA lifestyle should be praised admired and affirmed, 
and that an individual supporting a traditional lifestyle should be ridiculed and admonished. And youth are at a very impressionable stage of life where validation from peers drives many decisions. If someone has already gone through trauma, lacks emotional support, or is missing moral guidance, they're willing to try, and they do try, almost anything to find validation. We end up with people who identify with the LGBTQIA plus community not because that's how they've always felt, but because it's the first place they felt they belonged and felt part of a family. They go through internal struggles with identity, not because they are afraid of society, but because they have internal conflict that comes from forcing themselves to be LGBTQIA plus when they are not. Now, add to that the overwhelmingly confusing messages being put out through news and social media. What you end up with is someone who already lacks an emotional support system, who is in internal conflict with their true self, and now this person doesn't know if they're safe, loved, hated. Most people would have a hard time dealing with this, especially youth with still developing minds. I don't think anyone should be surprised that suicidal ideation is higher in LGBTQIA individuals. Most of these people need emotional help. Not to help them be comfortable in their new identity, but to be comfortable in their true identity. They need to know that they were perfect as they were. They don't need to be someone different to find contentment, belonging, and love. But sadly, our society is convinced that if we just affirm their sexual and gender identities, everything will be fine. In fact, in most cases, every other mental and emotional struggle they experience aren't even addressed. Instead of helping them, we use them as political pawns in an effort to create another group that believes only government intervention can improve their lives. Now, this episode wouldn't be complete if we didn't call out the insanity of the political right. It pains me to hear people like Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh speak so aggressively against the LGBTQIA community itself. I believe that some members of the community, like members of any community, are bad people, and we should address those specific individuals, but the community itself isn't bad. What is most upsetting is to hear Christians speak out against LGBTQIA individuals. Bear with me, and please let me have a moment to speak directly to those people. You are not morally superior to any member of the LGBTQIA community. The sin of sexual impurity is no worse than any sin any one of us have committed. When you're dead, God isn't going to say, well, all you did was cheat on one test. That's not nearly as bad as my man over here who slept with 18 dudes, so sure, come on into heaven. No, if you truly believe in Jesus, he will say that he knows you and your sins will be forgiven. If you don't believe in him, and as James says, true belief is seen through our actions, He'll say he doesn't know you, and you'll be subjected to eternity apart from God. Also, sin and sinners are not the same thing. We are all sinners. That is who we are. Sins, on the other hand, are individual acts that go against God's teaching and design for our lives. Being gay isn't a sin. Engaging in homosexual acts is a sin. There is a difference. Most people have lifelong struggles with sin, but don't act on them. This is no different. And my final word to my Christian brothers and sisters is this. You do not get to impose your religious morals on someone who hasn't signed up to follow them. Does God say they will still be judged? Yes, but you aren't God. 
You were called to share the gospel, which is the love of Jesus. You are not called to condemn others to hell. The majority of what we read in the New Testament is letters to various churches. These letters correct and redirect members of the church. They are meant to instruct people who already believe. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 12 through 13, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside. A great book to read would be Gay Girl, Good God by Jackie Hill Perry. It is written by a woman who grew up in the church, lived a lesbian lifestyle, then returned to the church and is now married to a man and has multiple kids. Okay, thanks for allowing that tangent, but back to Ben and Matt and others like them. Sometimes their efforts do more to push people further into partisan beliefs than they do to convince people to listen to their talking points. Reaching sanity does not come from hating the others, but from showing them empathy, using active listening, and engaging in good faith conversations. They may be able to change policy, but they will not get others to see the goodness in their beliefs. I know that I can get very passionate and can overpower others during conversations. This is something I want to work on because it typically causes others to shut down. I think most right-wing pundits could work on doing the same. They come off as hateful toward an entire group of people, which just turns people away and gives the liberal media more ammo to run with as they work to confuse our youth and to confuse those who are already questioning their identity. Okay, I think that's enough for today. Thank you for hanging out with me. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll see you next time on Sanity.